own words. Our own words. Our own words. Welcome to the second episode of Our Own Words with me, Jack Henderson. In this episode, I'll be talking to the people in the community of Kuta in Scotland's county of South Lanarkshire. In our last episode, we were in Lead Hills, a village situated in a remote corner of South Lanarkshire. Kuta is also a rural village in South Lanarkshire and it has some things in common with Lead Hills, but it is a very different place. In this episode, I'll be sitting down with people, young and old, in and around Kuta to ask how they think their community has changed for them over the years and how today's issues impact their rural lives. Kuta itself is a small village that sits about halfway to Edinburgh on the A702 the main road that runs from Dumfries and Galloway in the west across to Edinburgh in the east. Anyone travelling that road will know Kuta as the place where you slow down to accommodate the sharp bend in the road and negotiate the narrow bridge next to the old mill. A few hundred yards from that bend is Kuta Primary School. Let's begin our visit by talking to the pupils there and see what they can tell us about Kuta and what community means to them. Like your surroundings, the places around you, things like the parks, um, shops, anything like that. And do you belong to a community, do you think? Yeah. Which one's that? Well, um, Cooter, or near Cooter. Is that where you stay, near Cooter? Yeah. Have you ever lived anywhere else? No. I mean, I do go a lot of places. Do you? Yeah. Do you know anyone who lives in a big city? Yeah, my papa lives in Glasgow. Would you like to live in a city? Mm, no. No? You prefer it where you are, do you? Yeah. Imagine I came from a big city and I'd never been to see Kuta before. What would you tell me was good and what would you tell me was bad about it? Well, good things about Kuta is it's nice and quiet there's a lot of walks you can go on. Um, it's got a lot of like parks. Um, uh, maybe bad things in <laughs> the walks. There's a lot of sheep, maybe poo. A lot of sheep poo. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that a bad thing? Is it just everywhere? Is it? Especially at the reservoir. There's a lot of poo. Oh right. Is that <laughs> is that where the sheep hang out? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand what community is? What does that mean to you? Um, the the place you live in and the people who live in it. How old are you, Eli? I'm seven years old. Seven years old. And do you stay here in Kuta? Yep. In the village? Um, I live in Kutaralars. Have you ever lived anywhere else, Eli? Um, I've lived in two other places. Have you? What were they like? Well, one was very, very cold. The other one was really scary. How was it scary? Because... Because in my old house before this one, I, I just every night there were spiders, so my mum always had to had to use the broom and get them out. So there's not so many spiders in Kuta. Not much. No. <laughs> How old are you, Katie? Nearly eleven. What do you understand by the word community? What does that mean to um, you? Different people come together to um, talk about the world, kind of. 
Do you think community is important or is it doesn't really matter that much? Yeah, I think it's important. Why would it be important, you think? Um, because community could be somewhere that you get a chance to get out and see people. Do you know anyone that lives in, say, Glasgow or Edinburgh? Um, yeah, I know um, a friend that lives in Edinburgh. Do you think her life's quite different from yours? Uh, yeah, she um, she's in uni, but um, it's quite different. Would you prefer her lifestyle or do you think yours is better? I like mine. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> there is nowhere that's unaffected by the march of time, even remote rural places. I sat down with Anne Dobinson in her home to ask her how she considered Kuta had changed over the years. I thought maybe Anne was one of the most long-standing residents in the village, but she quickly put me right on that. There's others, others in the village who have been here longer than I. You um, came, when did you come here? Um, 1979, I think. <laughs> you think? Would you consider yourself a cooter onion now? I don't. No? I don't, know because um, I was brought up in Lamington. And I still consider myself a Lamingtonian rather than a Cooter, right. whatever they call themselves. <laughs> um, but I have been in Cooter, take part in Cooter, Cooter village life. I asked Anne how she thought Cooter's sense of community had changed over the years. As far as the community goes, there's no community spirit in the village because I think everybody, they don't seem to have time any longer. I don't know half the people in the village now, which we used to do. Um, I used to know every car that went up the road, up to the farms. I don't know anybody nowadays, which I think is sad. So how does Anne think the community differs from when she was a child? After primary school, um, we went to bigger school, and bigger school had such a wide catchment area from Lead Hills out to Dolphin. Elgical, Walson, um, Symington, Thankerton. I mean, it was such a wide catchment area. Therefore, you got to know, well, I don't say you knew everybody, but you got to have, you had so many friends then from all these different areas. And then once you got older and started going to the local dancing, then you met up with everybody again. And so therefore, you got to know so many people from such a wide, wide area, which doesn't happen any longer. Right. There's still a small degree of that, isn't there? Like, say you're here and you're talking about someone from Bigger and they'll say, oh, well, that's my cousin. Or, yeah, yeah. There's oh, still a bit much of that, so, isn't yes, there? Yeah. Aye, aye. Very much. It seems to be that everybody's related to somebody, so therefore you're frightened to say to somebody, oh, something about somebody else because they'll be related. Uh -huh. I'm no I'm no farming, so, right. so I've got to watch what I say because I've got so many farming friends. So you're saying the villagers changed a lot in the time you've been here very much so in my younger days you wouldn't work any further than um and say bigger which is another four miles away lanark was a stretch um you know because we couldn't get transport then but now they've got two or three cars in a family now so they're able to move out and go further afield for work so that takes them away the good part of the day. Some, they can leave here at seven o'clock in the morning and they're not back until about seven o'clock at night. Anne mentioned she'd lived briefly in Motherwell after she was married. So I asked her how her experience of living in a town differed from the rural life she'd always known. After uh, I got married and I moved down to Motherwell and moving from a village to the centre of Motherwell was a big, big change because... 
um, I discovered it. I didn't know my next door neighbour. It took me years to find out who they were because we were like strangers passing in the night, as it were. They were going to work and, and, and I was going out to work and it was a big, big change. At night, staying in the village, you could go out for a, a nice walk in the countryside, whereas <coughs> you were walking the streets, which, <laughs> which you wouldn't do, right. you know, but no, a big change. Do you personally feel safer in a small village like this then? Um, well, and in, in, in these days, I felt safe in Motherwell as well. That's about 50 years ago now. Right. <laughs> um, I couldn't say that in that time that I felt unsafe. And I must say, I've always felt safe here. Although I must say now, always lock my doors, which very often in my younger days, the doors would never be locked. Did you find in Motherwell that you engaged with neighbours differently? Possibly, yes. And because I would say as well, because I was married and, and therefore... Um, I didn't. I didn't need to go out and meet friends because I had plenty of friends where I worked as well. And saying I didn't know my neighbours, I didn't need to know them, which was a different situation again. Yeah. For someone like Anne, it may seem as if the sense of community she used to know in Cooter is not what it used to be. But for some of the younger residents, such as five-year-old Robin, Cooter still has a number of advantages over other places. I'm thinking of moving to Kuta. Is there anything good about it that I should know? Yeah. What would that be? There is a, a woods, and if you go through it, you you might see some hedgehogs, some foxes, some owls in the night, and some some toads. Some toads. Yeah. Do you know about people who live in different parts of the world? Mm, yeah. I have a granny which lives in Canada. Okay. And I have some aunties and uncles which live in about Glasgow. Okay. And I have some which live in London. In London. Do you think if your auntie from Canada came to Kuta, she would find it very different to Canada? Yeah. What would be different, do you know? It's b bigger and and Kuta is quite small. Hmm. Canada's a big country, isn't yeah. it? And I live between a, a lot of hills uh, and we might go camping on one. Oh, so you can just go out from your house and go up a hill and go camping? Yeah. I haven't re re really went camping before but i really do want to go camping okay do you think it would be cold mm, no. no i would go at the summer okay because then it's much warmer and we get to bring ice cream and ice lollies can you take ice cream when you go camping can you uh, yeah oh i didn't know that oh that um, sounds good only if, if you're going at the summer Oh, okay. Oh, well, I might go camping as well then if you can get ice cream. I didn't know that. Someone else who perceives a change in the community is lifelong resident Donald Fell. Donald Mackay Fell. That's your full title? That's my full title, yes. I was born at Cornhill House, not in a big house, in one of the cottages. And you stayed in Cooter? And I stayed in Cooter all my days, yes. When I left school, I left school at, well, at 14 and... I served my time as a painter and decorator. Right. In Bigger. 
well, I'd done my national service and came back to do my painting and decorating. And then I decided to branch out and I went to work at the state hospital at Carstairs. So I was there for nearly 30 years. Do you have a sense of community in Kuta when you were young? Did you feel like it had a sense of community? Certainly, very much so. And do you think that's changed? Yes. In what ways was that changed uh, over the years, do you think? I don't know, but way back in the old days, I mean, it was generations and they didn't even move out the villages. The mothers and the fathers and then the, the family, they lived there and they had their family and they weren't inclined to move as much. So you think a lot has been lost? Really, I think so, aye. Kuta, you could say it was an agricultural area. I mean, it was all, as we talked about, up the glens, up the two glens, mm. and you'd say uh, mostly shepherds and farm workers, and they had big families and everybody. It was a real, real community spirit. Do you think it's still like that, or do you think that's changed? Well, for a start, you don't have all these uh, farm workers and with big families and that. And I, I think that's maybe losing a lot of, I mean, let's say your women's rurals and all these sort of things. I think they've sort of lost a wee bit of Not well, that I was ever a member of the women's rural. Well, they just not let you in? Or? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I think in, in these days when I was growing up, when I was a boy and I was, you made your own entertainment and travel wasn't as easy. I mean, you had very few people had uh, could afford cars. Hmm. Folk just didn't travel, so they, they made their own entertainment in the villages. And it drew everybody together and kept them in the village. Whereas nowadays they just jump in the car and go away to Edinburgh, Glasgow. And so that's really contributed to some of that loss of community. I would, I would say so. Donald began school in Kuta in 1936. During his time at Kuta school, some temporary visitors were relocated to the village for safekeeping. This was wartime, and the evacuees came from all the side okay. of Glasgow. And there would be maybe 40-odd, 50 kids in the area because all the families in Cooter all took one or two of these kids from Glasgow and Edinburgh and that okay. for the war. I mean, they they were taken out of the heart of Glasgow, which mm. would be their home, and that was their domain, and they were stuck out into a place like Cooter, which was absolutely nothing. Mm. So, and, and there was, I think there was quite a wee bit of sort of hostility and a wee bit of resentment. On both sides? Aye, with both sides, mm. aye. Uh-huh. aye. And they were one or two wee tough guys, like, and, and of course... The Cooter boys wasn't going to let them drill the roost because they weren't coming into our village and telling us what to do. <laughs> so there was a sense of community uh, there, for there sure. There was there, yes. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I don't know what. Yeah. But, I mean, in their days, I mean, country lads and lasses, I mean, they learned about everything. You learned all about countryside and nature and everything like that. I mean, we had these boys coming from Glasgow. And they'd, they'd never even actually seen a cow. I mean, they thought, uh, I mean, well, milk came in a bottle and that, but nobody was, they didn't know where the milk came from. And I mean, the likes of birds' nests and fruit trees and other things like that. They got educated along these lines as well. Right. So Donald and the children at the school had to teach the children coming down from Glasgow a few things about life in the countryside back then. I wonder... 
What do the children at the school today know themselves about life in other places? India. Uh huh. It's more sandy. Not as many cars, maybe. Uh, not as many roads, uh, shops, things like that. And then Africa as well, because some people don't get like as much water and food as we get. They have to walk to get all their food and water. Imagine people from there came to live here. Do you think that would be a good thing? Do you think we've got things that we can learn from them? Yeah, like everyone's got things we can learn. You, we, they can learn things from us. We can learn things from them. I think you're right. Usually, I think I'd be an artist. An artist, fantastic. What sort of artist? Do you know? Um, I'd be an artist who draws people and would do pop art. Pop art. Wow. And do you think that would take you to other places in the world? You might do that. Yes. Yeah. Would you like to see other places? Yeah. Would you like to live somewhere else? Yes. Would you? Yeah. Would you miss Kuta? Would you come I back? Would, I would miss it a lot. That's why I'd say I'd visit it a lot. Oh, okay. What other parts of the world do you know about where people live very differently to how we live here? Jamaica. <laughs> what do you know about Jamaica? That it's very, very warm there. Do you think it's very different the way people live there? Yes. Have you ever been there? No. But you'd like to go there one day, maybe. Yes. If people from Jamaica came to live here, what would they find out about Kuta? Do you think they'd fit in? I think they would after quite a time. They'd have to get used to it. What would they have to get used to the most? Um, mostly the weather, because it because sometimes it says it's gonna be sunny, and and then. In the afternoon, my dad checks and says, "It's rainy." Australia is quite different from us. So, if somebody from Australia wanted to move to Kuta,、mm-hmm. what would you tell them? I'd tell them that they would definitely need to put some warmer clothes on,、right. um, because of the weather,、um, and then it is good for you're not always so hot. Sometimes it's not good to be really hot. Do you think there's anything that we might be able to learn from them? I suppose they might know how to survive in the desert. Some I don't know. Do you think that might be handy in Scotland? No, I don't think <laughs> so. It's perhaps to be expected that the schoolchildren maintain an optimistic outlook on their community, along with an open mind about learning and sharing experiences with people from other cultures. It's also understandable that older generations. Might frame their own perceived changes in the community in terms of loss. Someone whose job it is to assist positive change in communities, while being sensitive to all the voices in that community, is their local MSP, Mary McCallan. How does she understand the ways those changes are perceived? I think well, change is the only constant, isn't it? Right. You know, it's the march of time, and I can understand completely why people can feel. Threatened by it, unfamiliarity, march of time, moving on, and yes, potentially a loss of of of、uh, community of how things were before. But where there are challenges, there are always opportunities.、Mm. Um, but you know, I, I feel it very acutely in Clydesdale. We are an area without one centre of population, with towns and villages all with distinct but connected characters and needs and interests. But equally, I think we all do a really good job of trying to hang on to our history, our culture,、mm. 
as well as looking to the, having an eye to the future and the opportunities that there are here, because right. I think there's lots. Having spent some time with the children at Kuta School, there was another question I wanted to ask Mary. Recently, some of the older kids did a project on democracy, mm. where the older children formed their own parties and had to come up with their own manifestos. I think I would have loved that yeah. <laughs> if I'd been at school. I didn't even know what a manifesto was when I was <laughs> at school. <laughs> so, so that's something you've got at a restaurant. But um, I'm just wondering if any of those children thought, hey, I enjoyed that. Politics might be my future. I might go into that. What words of advice would you give about life in politics? Oh, well, that's such such a good question. I think uh, two bits of advice, probably. First of all, is always believe that you have a voice that is worth hearing and that you have got something to say that is valuable. Um, and once you have, once you understand that, equip yourself with knowledge um, because knowledge is power. And once you have done that, you will be able to speak on behalf of other people and to be a good advocate for them and to understand their needs um, and always look for the people whose voice you're not hearing because they're the ones that probably need your help most. Right. So, yeah, believe in yourself, get yourself equipped with, you know, your your information and your preparation and then understand your community around you and how you can help them. And is that universal or is politics still a man's world? Obviously, we see more women involved in politics these days which is great but is it still a man's world i think it probably still is yes um but we can't allow that to be the case right and you know you can see it i mean i'm i feel very fortunate i've been able to grow up here and you know go to university and uh not had restrictions bearing down on me in the way that they might have on other people but even in my position i still put up with um, views mm-hmm. uh, about my being a, a young woman and, and a representative, which I don't think my male counterparts would uh, would have to put up with, but you can't let them get you down. You've just got to keep going and support each other, you know? Right. And as, a, as someone in my position now, I'll always try and support younger women. During our visit to Lead Hills, we discovered how important its history was in shaping its current identity I went to talk to local historian Jim Ness at Bigger Museum about Kuta's history. I asked Jim what historical features he believed informed Kuta's sense of identity today. The mill um, in the centre of Kuta, I mean, I'm sure that does give people there a, a sense of um, the, the, the fact that this was a small industrial settlement at, at one time. The library as well, um, that, that has, a, has a history to it. Uh, the, the planned nature of the, the, the cottages beside the, the, the mill and on the other side of the road. Um, these all have a story to tell and that provides that visible stimulus for, for people hopefully to take an interest in the, the history of their settlement. Now I'm talking to you as a local historian, clearly a passion for you. If I met you at a party, would the conversation invariably end up being history at some stage? I'm afraid so. Yes. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine that would be the case. Clearly you think history is not just fascinating, but important. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of our, our lives. I mean, if, if anybody that opens their eyes, um, history is all around them. And uh, there are, uh, are instances of, of, of history um, having an, an effect on, on our 
lives on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, planning issues in, in all settlements basically are formed round about history. What has happened in the, in the past affects what is going to happen in the future. You're planning to build a new uh, housing scheme or a, a new road. It inevitably means taking away something from the past to replace it with something hopefully better for the future. Um, but issues that often arise from that um, are because people realise that there are important features of our past that should be preserved and not simply allowed to be replaced by something new. Recently, we've obviously seen at a national and international level a whole conversation about how we review some of our history and how we present it. Now, maybe on a greater level, those issues are more evident. But are there ways in which you think those discussions still have a bearing on how we present local history? Yes, I mean, lo- local history has to be seen in the, the, the national and international context. It may be difficult in, in, uh, at times to be able to see where um, something you know, fits into the national or, or international scene. Um, but it, it, it does have a, have a bearing in it. Taking Kuta as an example, there we've got a trunk road, a primary route running through the, the middle of the village, which has, I would say, at least half a dozen accidents a year. The road is often closed. That in itself has a, has a bearing on planning issues. Should there be such a, a large number of heavy vehicles on the road? Should more freight be taken on, on by, by rail? Um, does the village need a bypass? The, there are all sorts of issues like that that can only be discussed and, if necessary, financed at a national level. Right. Now, we're sitting talking in bigger museum, which is obviously an institution given over to preserving and presenting history. Do you think there's a difference in the way children coming to visit this today perceive history compared to when you were young? Culturally, they're coming at this history from a different place than we would have done. Does that make a difference? Um, I, I think it will. When I was at school in the 60s, we, I, I don't remember being taught any local history at all. There, there was no local context to it um, whatsoever. Um, it's very different nowadays. I mean, we're getting kids in here from the age of three, from the, the, the nursery classes, and they're fascinated by the objects that they see. They want to know more about them. And uh, hopefully that does build up a sense of belonging um, and to be able to see these things in a wider context, to be able to nourish some sort of interest in their, their environment, the built environment um, that has come about as a result of the history of that environment which they, they see mm. in the museum. We began this week by asking people to define community. Well, that was the easy part. But determining what contributes to the specific identity of a place like Kuta, what's important about it, how it changes over time and how those changes are experienced... Those things are more subjectively felt by individuals in and around a given community. No matter how familiar you may be with a place, it remains in a state of constant change. In his poem Lost, David Wagoner suggests we can never fully know a place. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. 
I've attempted to ask Cooter's permission to get to know it a little, but at best, I've only really scratched the surface. Next time, we'll be coming back to both Lead Hills and Cooter to see how climate and environment is considered and how it impacts on these remote, rural communities. Written and presented by Jack Henderson and was made possible with the help of South Lanarkshire Renewable Energy Fund.